Happy Wednesday, second week of school. You're making it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Hey, how many of you have ever heard of Exodus 90? A couple of you? Oh, very good. Okay. Well, hey, we're going to talk a little about Exodus 90. Uh, two years ago, the St. Benedict Institute offered the Exodus 90 initiative to the Hope community. And Exodus 90 is an initiative that really focuses on deepening our love and our intimacy with Jesus, and really through three disciplines, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of sacrifice, and the discipline of community or fellowship. And last year, over 130 uh, Hope College students were involved in Exodus 90. And two of those students, Ryan Cole. Anybody know Ryan Cole? Yes, Ryan Cole? Okay. And senior Sarah Bonima. Anybody know Sarah Bonima? Yes. Very good. So uh, the two of you were involved in, in Exodus 90 last year. In Exodus 90, a few things, just to give a little more clarity. Uh, in prayer, it's committing to pray at least 20 minutes a day, yes, uh, to uh, give up certain sacrifices uh, kind of daily comforts through the 90-day period, as well as meeting with a small group once a week. Yes? Very good. So out of those three disciplines, uh, Ryan, which was the most impactful for you? Yeah, I think for me it was community. Um, the first year I did Exit Society was my sophomore year, and I was just coming off of working at Camp Geneva where I found incredible community, the guys I was a middle school counselor with. Uh, but when I came back to Hope, none of them went to Hope, and so I came here kind of wondering who that community was going to be for me. Um, and through um, just the, the Lord working in my life, I met some of my best friends, and, and as the fall semester like, kept going, we were growing closer and closer, but what really made us like from friends to brothers was Exodus 90. Hmm. Um, and the way that we came together once a week and the vulnerability that we had, and, and we were some of the first people to know about some really hard things um, that all of us were going through. Hmm. Awesome. Sarah, how about you? Uh, for me, it was prayer and encountering the love of God in a way I never could have imagined. And over this past year, I've been hit with a lot of tragedy and hurt so deeply by ones I love. Um, finding out my parents were getting divorced and my brother going into emergency surgery all in the same week, um, it, it brought me to the Lord in tears, feeling like I had nothing left to hope in, but it took that and realizing that I have him and no one can take my hope away. And, and I truly believe that God gave me an extra dash of hope mm. to get me through the hard times. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so, you know, people out there are hearing, wow, 20 minutes of prayer daily, meeting with a small group, giving up certain comforts, you know, through the 90 days. How do you do it? Some, some are saying, I can hardly pray for four minutes. Okay, what would you say to him, Ryan? Yeah, I'd say um, college is a time for trying new things and, and for stepping out of your comfort zone and challenging yourself. And, and I think Exodus 90 is a great way to do that. Um, it is uncomfortable and, and going into it, you need to have the right mindset and the right attitude about it. But it is a really incredible way uh, to not only grow closer with your group, but to um, also just grow in your relationship with Christ and experience freedom. Awesome. Sarah, how about you? What would you say to him? I would say you're going to experience a freedom like never before. Mm. And you'll have so much free time, you won't even know what to do with it. But in those moments of 
silence that you'll, you'll find yourself in, you'll, you'll start to go to God and, and like develop that relationship that's really special. Hmm. Awesome. Exodus 90. Uh, sign up is now. Uh, you can go to the email, Exodus 90, to sign up. It's going to start on January 29th. Pray and think about it. Exodus 90. Would you thank Ryan and Sarah? Awesome. Now, would you open up your... Thank you, Tyler. Tyler Gross. Nice. Hey, Open up your Bibles or your smartphones. John chapter 13, we got business to do. Here we go. John chapter 13, you can find it on page 877 of your pew Bible. When you get there, go to verse 34 and put your finger on it, okay? And when you found it, raise your hand so I know when the majority of you are there. John chapter 13, verse 34, loving it. Keep your hands up. Nice, 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 nice. Thanks, Seti. Yes, thank you. Thank you. All right, we're ready. Verse 34, hear the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking, addressing his disciples only hours before his death, and he says this, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have, say it, love for one another. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, these two verses here, verse 34 and 35, are tucked between Judas Iscariot's initial steps of betrayal of Jesus and the foretelling of Peter's ultimate denial in Jesus. In these two verses, Rabbi Jesus is telling his disciples to love like he loves. And in the rabbinic tradition of the first century, a disciple's greatest desire was to be just like their rabbi. And so Jesus says, love like me. And when you do this, he says, people will know that you belong to me. Not by the way you look, not by the way you talk, not by your gender or your color of your skin or the level of education you have or where you live or how many people follow you on Twitter. No, Jesus says, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love for one another. Now, the Greek word Jesus uses here for love is the word agape, which is a sacrificial kind of love, an others-first kind of love. It's the kind of love that Jesus so clearly and consistently modeled and extended to others throughout his life. The Apostle Paul gives us a more fuller picture of what this Jesus love looks like in Philippians 2, 1 through 8, when he says this, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation in love, any sharing in the Spirit, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. 
Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave and being found in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Whoa. Every person who is exploring or desiring or claiming to be a follower of Jesus should memorize Philippians 2, 1 through 8, especially verses 3 and 4. Listen to these again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. And let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. Do you know how radical, how crazy those words must have sounded to the dominant society and culture of first century, and even how crazy and radical those words still sound in our dominant culture and society today, a culture labeled by University of Michigan psychology professor Gene Tween as Generation Me, A generation described between we're focusing on yourself is not only tolerated, but actively encouraged. Generation me is all about what makes me happy. Personal and self-fulfillment becomes the most important thing. Therefore, others as well as even God exist to serve and make me happy. That's the dominant vision of our culture today. And this me syndrome has trickled down into every aspect of our society. And each one of us is continually encouraged to drink from this well. But be aware, be aware that this meanness or me first well will eventually run dry. For the biblical vision of love has never been about me, but about the others. As followers of Jesus, our call is to help others become more and more the person that God intends them to be. That's otherness focus. And each day, each of us will repeatedly have to choose between meanness and otherness. So let's unpack a little more what the Apostle Paul is driving at, this biblical vision of otherness in Philippians 2, especially verses 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. This line runs contrary to what most of us have been told, that to get ahead in this world, we need to self-promote, self-advocate, toot your own horn to get noticed. It's interesting that the Greek word that Paul uses for selfish ambition is the same word used as someone canvassing for political or public office. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, some of the most painful times of the calendar year are election years. And we got one coming this November 2020 where we will have to endure months of political ads and promotions where politicians will be telling us over and over again how great they are and how much they've done for us, right? And the Apostle Paul is saying, don't be like that. In fact, the Apostle Paul says that we should live the total opposite when he continues in verse 3 and says, but in humility, regard others as better than yourself. 
One author defined humility as having a sober and realistic assessment and understanding of oneself, meaning that we should not think that we're as bad as we think we are, or on the same hand, we must not think we're as good as we think we are. The vision that the Apostle Paul wants us to grasp here is not so much thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Did you get that? Not thinking less of ourselves, but thinking of ourselves less. Regard others as better than yourselves means just spend more time thinking about other people and spend less time thinking about yourself. And I'm telling you, that is not easy to do. It's neither natural or easy. I can remember when I started memorizing Philippians 2, and as I kept repeating that, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. It was amazing that I thought, how much time do I do think about myself over others? You see, there's a great difference between meanness and otherness. And the Apostle Paul drives the biblical vision of otherness home when he lifts up Christ as the ultimate example. Verses 6 through 8, when he says, Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave and being found in human likeness and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. As followers of Christ, we are charged to live and to love like Jesus. And there is only, really, it's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us and through the planted Word of God in us as well. So earlier I said that every person exploring or desiring or claiming to be a follower of Jesus should memorize Philippians 2, 1 through 8. Well, today I'm putting out the challenge. Anyone who memorizes Philippians 2, 1 through 8, I'm buying I'm buying them coffee, I'm buying you pizza, your choice. But here's the deal. It's a limited offer, meaning from today to winter break is the, this time slot to memorize it, to then email me, and then recite it to me out loud. So here it is. Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you should love one another. And when we extend Jesus' love or the other's first kind of love, others will know that we belong to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Get out of here. Get out of here and go live it out. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.